Thanks for listening to Bezier. Bezier is sponsored by Superhigh, online courses for code, design, and product management. Superhigh's courses can be done in your own home at your own pace. I've been a Superhigh student since 2017 and have gone from being a designer feeling alienated by the should designers code discourse to building my own sites and now even selling web design services. My favorite part of Superhigh is the community of learners. As a Superhigh student, you're added to this huge community of all the other Superhigh students. It's filled with inspiring people from all over the world in all different places in their careers. I've gotten work there, I found podcast guests there, and even made in-person friends, all because of Superhigh. It's easy to get started. There's an online code editor. You can do it on your own schedule. There's built-in community of learners. It's got everything you need. Start learning to code, design, or product manage today at superhigh.com. I'd like to have my guests introduce themselves. Could you share a bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Lara. I'm the head of product design at Bumble. And I've been at Bumble for about a year. And before that, I used to freelance. I'm very passionate about inclusion and diversity in design. And I'm very vocal about the industry on Twitter, which I think is something that more people should do. And yeah, that's me. I moved to the UK about five, almost six years ago from Brazil. So I grew up in a very different place with a very different design industry. And I feel that I'm still learning how things work in other countries. But yeah, that's me. And what pronouns do you use? That's a good question. I use she, her. And what about outside of work? What do you do for fun? I'm a very big reader. I love to read, but I try not to be that person that reads like only about work and design and tech. I prefer to read fiction. Uh, I do read books about design, but I think I'm a big kind of, I, I use reading as escape to just do other things that are not work. And I also watch a lot of movies. So I think culture in general are things that I'm really passionate about. So before COVID, I used to go to museums a lot and just explore kind of cultural places in London. I think since COVID, I mostly do what I can at home. But yeah, I'm not a big kind of outdoor person. I'm more of a indoor with the book. <laughs> do you have any uh, favorite genres of books and movies? Mm, yes, I love horror movies. Although it's like very, is a take it or leave it situation. I really like what people call, I don't know, cold films or more of a traditional classic cinema. But I really love horror movies because I just think they are the most creative out there. They're also the industry that has more female-driven movies, which is crazy, but it's true. And it also has more women doing, like, kind of action the crew. So I really like it, and I try to talk about it and uplift as much as I can. Oh, I love that, and I love the Halloween edition Bezier. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I want to talk about Bumble, but before that... You mentioned that you were used to freelance. Maybe talk a little bit more about that. What kind of work did you do? Who are your customers, if you can talk about that? And did you do that primarily before you moved to London? In Brazil, I used to work more for startups and some big companies too. But when I moved to the UK, at first I couldn't really find a job that kind of actually liked. It was really hard when I moved coming from a country where people in the UK don't know the companies that I worked for. It made it quite hard to find the jobs that I wanted. So I ended up going a little back in my career. I was a senior at the time and I had to take a mid-level job. And once I was able to like, okay, I 
people now know me a little bit more. I can find jobs more easily. I wanted to get as much experience in a different industry. So I thought freelancing might give me that kind of edge, working with a lot of different people, lots of different companies in a shorter amount of time. And it will also help me grow as a designer. I on purpose wanted to work for very different companies. So I went to a digital transformation agency, then startups, then more traditional agencies. And I did a bit of everything, but always focusing on product design and getting better also at just hitting the ground running. Not Because when you're a freelancer, you have to learn things very quickly about a company, about your clients, about your audience, what you want to do. So I kind of got that very good pace of work that really helped me once I stopped being a freelancer. And I worked for um, Transferwise, which is, I think, a, a known company. And it was really great because it was the first time I worked for a mission-driven company as well. And it really showed me that's something that I wanted to do more of. And, and it also pushed me away a little bit from agencies. I worked at agencies in Brazil. And although I liked it, I always felt like I was jumping from problem to problem, from client to client too quickly. And I wanted to stay within kind of the same problem space for a little longer. And that was the time where I felt, yes, this is why. And I really found my path. So you're the head of product design at Bumble. What does a day-to-day look like? What does that job entail even? And I have so many questions about just designing for mm-hmm. match- matchmaking. I think like on a daily basis, my job is split into three kind of verticals, let's call it. The first one is the team. So we, when I started Bumble, had one product designer on working on the app and It was more of a design as a service model. So there was a lot to change when I was thinking about growing the team. I had to bring the the right skills. I had to bring people who could be advocates for the value of design. And that's a lot of my time has been spent on growing the team exponentially. So we were able to grow really fast while still hiring well and while still hiring for the different perspectives that we need. Like I said, I'm really focused on diversity and I think When you hire fast, usually what happens is you hire the same people coming from the same companies because you feel like it's a safer bet. And I really wanted to avoid doing that. So that's one of the things that I focus on. So a lot of my time every week spending interviews, doing regroups with the hiring team to really know what our pipeline looks like. And and then still in people, I have one-to-ones with my reports. I like to have weekly meetings where we do work together, although... I don't necessarily go into projects anymore. I like to still be a part of it and know what's going on and not be the kind of leader that doesn't have any context. And usually the designers hate their feedback because it's usually not usable. Like they cannot do anything with it because the leader is so removed from it that it's just out of touch. So I try to stay connected to the team and to what they're doing. And then the second kind of pillar is the process. So I'm always looking into operations, tooling, and also just the design process in general. How can we improve it? How can we make sure that everyone is happy as well with what we're doing both in the team and outside the team? And then the third part is the kind of product vision. So Bumble was really behind, I think, in the kind of product design leadership. And there was no vision for design. There was no vision for the product. The only input that people had was coming from product managers. And although they still 
obviously they still drive that. I think having a partner in design that can make the the initiatives more proactive and just be able to innovate a bit more easily is something that was really lacking. And that's what I try to do. So my week is a mix of a few meetings about process, a few meetings about projects and feedback that the designers need, and hopefully a lot of discussion around just the team dynamics and how best to work together. So that's how I try to spend my time. To go to that piece that you started with, I I think a a lot of people struggle with the transition from being a product designer or really any kind of designer to being a design manager. What advice would you have to somebody who's making that transition? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think is one of the main problems that the design industry has is that designers don't like to move away from being a designer. And that's natural because it's a creative profession. And I think there's a diff- people believe there's a wall and that you either stay a designer and you stay a contributor forever or you go into leadership and you never design again and your job is like spreadsheets and you just become a kind of business person and you lose the creativity. I think there's space for kind of a hybrid and what I see as the hybrid is not I sit down and design projects anymore. But at the same time, like I said, I try to still drive the creative vision. I don't delegate that to someone else and then just think about hiring or managing or performance. I try to stay within, kind of get a lot of context on what's going on to be able to really be the person who drives that vision. That's what would be my advice. Don't feel like you're crossing a wall and that you never design again because designing to me is about creating a plan and it's about creating a vision and you might not be the person to execute that vision but you still created it so a big part of it is just understanding how big design can be and we always talk about getting a seat at the table and that's that seat is being the same table as the ceo or a head of product and those people won't be designing so you need to speak their language and the other i think advice is only do it if it's something that you believe you want because it comes with a lot of new challenges. If your thing is solving problems, if your thing is sitting down and designing screens and that's what you want to do, you also don't need to go into management to grow. I think a new thing that is becoming more normal is that idea that already existed with developers in the past, that there's a whole world of being a designer that is very senior and still leads but doesn't manage anyone, doesn't become like a head of design or VP of design, and instead just becomes more and more senior as an individual contributor. And a lot of people will be happier that way. And my advice is don't feel like you have to not be that. Yeah, I love that advice always because management is, like you said, a whole different skill set. And not everybody's, that's not necessarily what they want to do or good at. So, Yeah. yeah. I I really like that you outlined the problem that happens so frequently, both in design and just in the tech industry of people wanting to hire quick. So they hire from either companies they've heard of, Mm -hmm. schools that have big names, or from people that they know, and it causes this problem of lack of diversity. What advice do you have around how we as a design industry can fight that, I guess, temptation to just hire quickly because I've never seen anybody hire and have all the time in the world. So it seems like it's always the case that it's urgent. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. And I think like my thought process when we hire and don't get me wrong, like I still delegate some of the kind of screening to 
the talent team. And I do think, obviously, we are not perfect. We probably still let some talent slip through the cracks. But what I try to do, and um, Sasha, my manager, also does from time to time, is I go into our kind of hiring platform and I go through each candidate and we get hundreds. But unless they have a portfolio link not like broken or not listed and I cannot go and see their work, I go and see everyone's work. Because I think there's a problem with how these softwares work that they pull out the companies as a kind of subtitle. And what happens is it reframes your thinking around oh, I know this company, I'm going to click on this person. And that's natural. It's not even something that is pre, you know, like we're preconditioned to see something that we know and go for that. I tried to get past past that by actually exploring each candidate in a few seconds, what I can give um, and actually looking through the portfolio and focusing on the quality of the work versus the name of the company. And because of that, we were able to hire people from India, Canada, what else? A few places that like had companies that actually, when you go and you Google them, they actually do great design work, but you just haven't heard from them because they're just not in the UK or America. And I think that's something that I want to double down on doing, finding new ways to make sure that's happening. But our team is also very tuned into that. So all our talent um, team, they know to find people with potential and not necessarily look for like top companies. And we, yeah, we have a certain way of thinking about candidates that I would call it almost like a more feminine way, because I know that hiring does that has that dynamic of masculine words and feminine words that words that basically drive women away, because I don't know if you've heard about that before or read about it, but we try to encourage a, a process that is tailored towards people who are driven away by usual job specs or job processes. So for example, we don't have design tasks anymore, both because I hate them. I don't think they work at all. And and also because, for example, if you're a single mom or even if you work full time, it might be really hard for you to find time to properly dedicate to that. So it's an unfair way of assessing people. And the words that we use as well, we stop using very masculine words that, that um, we know drive candidates away. We start by saying that we encourage not just welcome, but encourage people from minorities to apply and that you can tell us which pronoun you want to use and we will use that pronoun. And I think that already gives a little bit of peace of mind to candidates that are always a little unsure when they, when they apply, if they will be rejected based on some random or arbitrary way. So I think those things help. And, and yeah, the way we, I try to look at people is just through the potential and what they can bring versus kind of any specific experience that they've had. Sometimes they work for a company, for example, that has a design system with a UI that is not great, but I know that's not their talent. It's limited by the company that they work for. And I try to discern that. And I do think that helps. I can see like the difference and I can see that work. Yeah, that's what I do. What about designing for matchmaking? What's it like to design at Bumble, how do you think about creating that experience, which mm-hmm. is probably a lot more maybe sensitive and personal than experiences that a lot of designers design forever? Yeah, I think that's one of those things that when I joined Bumble, I had no idea because you don't really think about that as a different challenge. But 
it's completely different from anything I've done before. It's not a transaction. It's not about only one person. We have social media that is about me. And then you have kind of conversion products that is about buying something. At Bumble, it's about building a connection with another human being. And that makes it extremely vulnerable. So everything that we do, we have to consider things very top of mind that other companies don't have to. So for example, when we talk about exclusion, when we talk about harassment, when we talk about fear, safety, all of those things are second thought to a lot of companies because they really don't have to worry about it that much. So when misuse happens, it's a bit of a surprise and it's never really Now it's becoming more commonplace to think about those things. For example, if you think about Twitter, for example, for so long, people have said there's a problem with your user base. And but for them, it's such a wide user base. And it's so about so much more than that. They might overlook this. I don't think they intentionally don't think about it. And but for dating, that has to be top of mind from day one, because you're literally talking about two people interacting one to one. So it's something that reframes how you design. So the way I think we design is very emotion-based. And that's one of the big differences I see from the work that was being done before we had a dedicated team. And now is that every designer has a big kind of has a lot of context around the emotional journey that people go through and they design for that. So one thing that we want to change is that view that dating has a an outcome that is the same for everyone and that you're only there for the outcome. Because Dating can be really taxing and like frustrating exactly because you have that idea of success that has to happen for you. And the quicker it happens, the more successful you are. But actually dating is about finding yourself. It's about discovering what you like, what you don't like, what kind of people make you happy. And if you even want to marry someone or be in a relationship, so this should be an enjoyable process. This shouldn't be like I don't know, a chore that you have to do. It should be fun. And I think that's what we're trying to do as a team is just reframe dating around being a good journey, a journey that people want to go through and they don't feel like they have to because it's the only possibility because everyone is dating online these days and they actually want to to use Bumble. So I think that's the main difference for me. Yeah. Your wisdom around finding yourself really, it really got me. It was more than I thought I was um, going to get with that answer. So I really appreciate that. And I think a lot of people will as well. I have so many questions about dating, but I know your time constraints. So I want to make sure that we get a couple more questions in. What about a really senior person in our field, another head of product design? What advice do you have for them? I think the advice that I would like to have gotten when I became a manager or a leader and that I would definitely give to someone even more senior than me is know the weight of your responsibility. When you grow, it's really easy to not think about the impact that you have in people's lives because you are still, you feel like when you started your career, you feel that you're the same person. But we actually have, we play a big role in tech in people's lives. We directly impact them. And I think that's true for my designers, that's true for my company for all the users that use Bumble and society in general. And I think I would love to see people talking about leadership more in that sense versus the kind of thought leadership that we have in the industry right now, which is all about how to get there, how to make it big, how to grow a team, how to be confident. And that's really important, but we have a saturation of that. And I would love to see people talking a bit more about 
the big questions that design need to answer and the big gaps that we have industry in terms of our responsibility. We're responsible for how society works right now. And the fact that we are not taking that responsibility, but we expect that from politicians and from economists and from academics, it's just unbalanced. We have as much responsibility as all those people because we affect society as much as they do. So I think I would love to see more of that in the industry. Me too. Absolutely. I think it relates a little bit to who's one person that you think everybody should know? Yeah. Mike Montero is someone that I think is doing great work in exactly that arena. He talks about big tech companies, especially the tech giants without fear. He's someone who is senior enough and well-regarded enough that other people really listen. And he wrote a book called Rune by Design, which I think every design student and designer and leader should read because it talks exactly about that. What are the ripple effects that our work have on everyday lives of millions of people that we don't even think about in our work that we should think about. So he's someone that I admire and I think everyone should know about him. I love that book. So I also highly recommend. How can people find you and support you? I think I like the only social media that I use to talk about design is Twitter because I think I'm really comfortable with kind of small snippets without having to do anything too high maintenance like YouTube. So my Twitter is Lara is uncool. And you can find me there. <laughs> um, and you can also find me in other places. If you Google my name, you'll find me. But I use LinkedIn, not a lot. I don't really like the LinkedIn crowd that much. But I do think it's useful, especially if you want to follow people that you admire and know what they're doing, how they're moving the industry. So I'm also there if you want to follow me. Thank you so much for being on Bezier. I know we only have a few moments until you have to go. But is there anything else that you'd like to share? No, I mean, I just thank you so much for having me. It was really nice. And yeah, my first podcast. I'm really excited in this new medium. Bezier is a design interview podcast amplifying voices in our creative communities that don't already have large platforms and aren't working at big five tech companies. We focus on finding guests from all over the world and representative of as many of us as possible. If you have a great guest idea for Bezier, please email us at inquiry at zoct.studio. That's I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at Z-A-C-H-T dot studio.